take care of yourself first, come to your position in your role with your full self, with a full mind, and then set clear boundaries and expectations for your teams so then they can learn to set clear expectations. They can then learn to bring their full self to their job. Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Hello, hello, positive leaders. It is so great to be back with you again. And we are super excited to welcome a returning guest. Christine Stafford was on the show, gosh, just about a year ago. And we are super, super, super excited to have her back. She is the co-disruptor and president of Partner Veterinary Emergency and Specialty Center. So welcome back, Christine. Welcome thank back, you so much. Yeah, thank you. I really great appreciate the re-invite. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It was a great episode, and we look forward to another great one. So, you know, we do get new listeners all the time, and as a refresh for folks that don't remember, we don't read stuffy bios here on the Positive Leadership Podcast. So can you tell our listeners about yourself, your background, and where you are and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So I have a little bit different background, as some might remember. Um, I My background is actually, I'm a graduate gemologist. Um, so my degree is in gemology, and I owned a jewelry store for 19, or for, I'm sorry, for 10 years. And then I made my way into veterinary medicine about 20 years ago through a friend of mine. And I ran the largest veterinary neurology and neurosurgery company in the world. We exited out to Compassion First about 10 years ago. And then within that, I also built and sold to Blue Pearl, a veterinary specialty hospital in Richmond, Virginia. And then I've built a couple specialty referral practices from ground up in Rockville and a couple other areas in the country. So my kind of background is building specialty referral practices um, in different areas. 
Amazing. I had forgotten the gemologist part. And so that's, <laughs> yeah, that's just too. a great reminder. Just right. a great reminder. Yeah, if I ever see me a ring appraised or to know if it's real or not, I'm your gal. Oh, well, I mean, that comes in handy. <laughs> right. You never know. <laughs> never know. You great. never know. <laughs> yeah. So do you have a kind of a recent book or podcast or course or something you've taken that's left a lasting impression on you that you think our listeners should check out? Yeah, this is a great one. It was harder for me the last go around. You guys asked this, but I just read Alexi Pappas' book called Bravery. And it's about, uh, is, is, I'm a big avid ultra marathon runner, trail runner, and she's an Olympic athlete that has overcome a lot of adversity in her life. And it parallels a lot of um, many young women in the veterinary profession. The sacrifices, kind of proving your worth, demanding a seat at the table. And she's a really big uh, inspiration to young girls that despite life challenges, you can become anything that you dream. And so she teaches us to chase our dreams and to be brave. It's a really great book, not just about running, but just about kind of adversities that young girls can face in the world. And she had a great quote in the book that said, chasing a dream is a never ending negotiation, as in you have to keep navigating, pivoting, adapting and persisting. It's a process that unfolds continually and never in a straight line. And I think that's veterinary medicine right now. <laughs> it's definitely where, where I am in, in our process of building hospitals. So it's just a really great book. And then I really wanted to give a shout out to your guys' latest podcast with Dr. Marie. That was amazing. Like yeah, she, Dr. I think it was a breakdown of simplistic ways to set boundaries. And just if anybody hasn't listened to that podcast from you guys, it was really fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I sent it yeah. to my entire team and it was required listening. And then we had a discussion about it in our last weekly meeting. So just a really great, great podcast. So Alexis nice, with bravery and then and hers. That was really good. Yeah, David and I kind of geeked out on that last one too. We were it was, yeah, I listened to it like four times. Yeah. Christine, you are known for being a leader and developing other leaders in the veterinary space. At least that's how I perceive <laughs> you very much so, co-disruptor. But tell me a little bit about why leadership. Why do you feel that leadership, and I assume when I say leadership, that you know I'm pointing out good leadership is important. First of all, thank you for the compliment because I don't, I've never actually looked at myself as a leader. I think it's just something that happens, which I think is kind of odd, but I really want to leave a legacy of giving back in a way that's tangible and that has a direct impact on a profession that has given me so much. Um, I think that we as a profession have gotten away from leading people and teaching people to be good leaders with the consolidation and uh, at least in specialty medicine, we've stripped away a lot of good leaders. And I really want to show people that there's a path and a way to stay in our profession by being engaged and simplistic ways to do that. I think in a, a lot of leadership, we've overcomplicated things and rise, risen it to a level that people actually don't understand it. So I want to be able to s simplify it for the teams and show them that they can stay and actually flourish in a, a profession that they love. We've lost the ability to focus and we've come away and lost the, the focus on our teams at the clinical level. And I think that the more we've done that, we have affected our businesses. We've lost revenue. We've lost teams. We're all fighting for teams. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah. Mm -hmm. We've all, we're all feeling seasons, it, right? We're feeling it. And yeah. I, it's a direct reflection on a lack of leadership. And I, I've said this on, before that I think the problem in veterinary medicine 
is solely a leadership problem. It is nothing more than leadership. And we've proven that in many ways in our own little business right now. In the last 18 months, we've had 900 people apply for jobs. And so, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, yeah, it, it really is. I've, we've got a, you know, a doctor pipeline of 56 doctors that want to work in our little businesses. And so I, while there is a staffing team problem, I think there's more of a cultural problem and a leadership problem. And when you can show people and teach people to lead and to lead in an effective way, I think they want to be here and they want to follow that. And so I want to show them that. And I want to show them that it's actually not as difficult as they think it can be. So breaking it down, I'm a very simplistic leader. We don't overcomplicate things. I love to see the team have these light bulb moments. And I love to help them solve their problems because the problems that they're faced on the floor are pretty simplistic. They need equipment that works. They need a schedule that they can maintain. They need to understand their boundaries. And that's been missing in the profession for quite some time. And so I want to be able to give that to them. And I really find joy in that, in the very simple things. And then also recognizing that leading people is really hard (laughs) and acknowledging that it's an emotion. That's the truth. Say that one again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys know it's an emotional drain, right? Like it's an emotional, mental drain to lead people. And so we talk about it a lot with our teams that, you know, an eight-hour day of leading people can be equivalent to a 20-hour day. And we want to recognize that you sometimes just have to go home and turn it off. Like I sometimes go home and have to watch, you know, bad TV and turn my brain off. You know, it's, it's hard. And people don't talk about that. Like we talk about a lot with our teams that you had to fire somebody or you had bad clients or you had a rough day with the team. You talked for six hours. That's hard. And we acknowledge that regularly, that, that, that six hours, maybe you may have only worked six hours, but that six hours took a toll on you emotionally. And you might yes, need the next I would day. definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, we recognize that. And I think it's yeah. unique with us that every level in our leadership, we're talking about that. And mm-hmm. I recognize that in my leaders that they had an emotional day the day before. And I'm like, what did you do today to take care of yourself? Did you come in an hour later? Did you run? Did you, what did you do? Yoga? What did you do to take care of yourself mentally? Because it's exhausting. I would have to say that when I'm on site in clinic at practices, I'm usually there for two, three days at a time. Then I come home and I always tell my husband, I feel like I'm jet lagged for a week afterwards. I'm just so physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausted, pouring into other people. People. Yeah. And I don't realize how much it, it sucks out of me. To the point of, I always have to schedule off the next day where I feel like I'm literally jet lagged. Like I've come from a 36 hour flight to Australia. Like I just get home and I'm just whooped puppy. And that's when I, you know, mm-hmm. like you said, what did I do to take care of myself? Take the break, go horseback riding, you know, spend time outside, get some sunshine, whatever it is. But I appreciate the fact that you acknowledge that it can be physically and emotionally exhausting and that we do have to stop and make space for that and acknowledge that and say, hey, yeah, maybe you need to, to, like I I tell managers, when you need to fire somebody, make sure that you do that at the end of your day because the rest of the day you carry that with you, right? It's not necessarily for them, Mm -hmm. but for you. Or if you have to do something that you know is going to be like conduct a leadership meeting and you know it's going to suck you dry, then schedule that and your next day accordingly. So I appreciate the fact that you do recognize that physical 
and mental exhaustion. And, and then, yeah, P.S., what are you doing to take care of yourself? Schedule yourself yep. accordingly. And talk about it, normalize it. And normalize it, I think, not only normalize it with the leadership team, but normalize it with your clinical team. Because the, you always have that fight between what is the admin team doing versus what is the clinical team doing? And like, they don't do anything and we don't do like, we, we don't just sit behind a desk all day at the computer, <laughs> yeah, it's all right? Yeah. So we talk about it constantly. We're constantly like transparency of what each team is doing because we all, we talk about it as being a craft. We all have our craft. Their craft is working with clients and patients and our craft is another side of the business. And it takes all of us to do the business. If, if I don't do my job, we don't have teams or money. And if they don't do yeah. their job, we, don't, we all got to talk about mm-hmm. it. So it's transparency. And yeah. yeah, what they're doing is a lot of times physically demanding and we can see it. As leaders, we don't see the demand. You just feel it. You feel it emotionally in your brain. And so I think it's a lot harder for people to acknowledge that it's there. We see we lift something mm-hmm. or a patient but we don't see the physical demand when we're talking to somebody for an hour through a pit yeah. plan or, yeah. And so it's, it's a constant conversation that we have and normalizing what it means to be a leader and how the energy it takes to put into that. You give a piece of yourself every single day when you do that. And so we mm. normalize that. So th- that's why I do it is bringing that to people. And we've brought people into leadership, into the urgent care that are like, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I had no idea was this hard. No idea this was. No, yes. And then they're yeah. like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, yeah, it's tough. Like this it's for everybody. It's, yeah. it's yeah. for everybody. And but I'm appreciative they saw it because they now go back to the teams and they're like, damn, that was hard. I'm like, yes, this is hard. So I do it to give back because mm-hmm. I also get a huge reward to see them grow and to see them on find themselves to see them find hope in a profession that we all love so much there is a path that they can all stay in there is space for everybody Mm -hmm. um we got to create it though right we've got to show them that way so that's why i do it and it's been very rewarding in the past it's been painfully hard but it's been very rewarding in the past you know 13 months since i talked to you guys to see that growth in people again yeah it's tough leadership is tough yeah, that's a great point. And, I, you know, it's funny, you kind of said you don't think of yourself as a leader. But since our last show, you've opened a new practice. I mean, forget your kind of history, but you've opened a practice. And you've been a consultant. So you've been able to kind of put some of your, you know, take some of your own medicine, right? Put some of your advice as a consultant yeah. into practice. So what has been kind of the biggest obstacle you had to overcome? And what's been your biggest success? Give us kind of the behind the scenes of what you do and what's been your biggest challenge you faced. And then also what's been your biggest win? Oh, this was like the list of obstacles and failures was so long and that I had to pick from. We fail every day. <laughs> like we love it. Like I love to fail because you just get better. But what we thought was going to be this, what we call the baby urgent care is not at all what it ended up being. So the lack of availability of emergency care in Richmond, Virginia is non-existent. So on a weekend, our emergency practices in Richmond are not open. So, or they're at capacity. So there's three emergency hospitals in Richmond, Virginia, and they close every weekend. So we end up, our urgent care that's just supposed to be seeing urgent care cases ends up being a emergency hospital that was never intended for that. So we hired urgent care doctors, we hired urgent care teams, and now we're seeing critical care cases and we're only open 10 to eight. And so getting the team and managing the team through that 
has been the biggest obstacle and emotional obstacle for the team. How do you say no to a case? How do you say no to a case that walks up that's a hit by car that no one will see? How do you practice the medicine that you're used to practicing? And so it's been this challenge to navigate what do we do? It's calling hours for to try to land cases in different states. Like, you know, we had a, a hit by car, a broken back that we had to get into a hospital three hours away in Maryland because no one would take the case. So that's probably been the biggest mm-hmm. obstacle. It, it's been quite sad, actually. And reimagining that practice at urgent care probably 30 times in the past 12 months has oh, been, man. it's wow. been the hardest. We've changed hours. We've changed. We've had a higher time <laughs> staff. We've changed availability. We are, the staff's there sometimes till two o'clock in the morning, you know, when they're supposed to be there till eight o'clock at night. Like everything that we thought has been completely different. But what it's taught the team is resilience. Our core values, they live by it. They are malleable. They are trusting. It's taught me that they, when they trust you and they trust the process, they'll stick it out. We've lost really nobody from that. Um, so it's been a blessing and, a, and difficulty at the same time. So it's probably been our biggest obstacle. The success is that we've proved our concept. We know that we can reimagine the processes and thoughts. We've implemented scribes. We've implemented care advocates. We were one of the first to implement, now everybody's doing it, which is, I guess, is a, a compliment, a wellness week. So every team member gets their first week paid off before they start with us to kind of reset their brain into a new, a new beginning. We only hire one in every 28 applicants. We get to go through 28 people before we hire the one that we want in the company. So we've had some really big successes to be able to prove the words and the model that we put out and that it is working. So reimagining it, putting out different ideas and thoughts and words is actually making a difference. And so I think those are our biggest successes. That 900 care applicants, uh, and there's not mm. a lot of people that can say that. No, yeah, wow. <laughs> and that's data that we can back up. You know, ER doctors hiring, we've hired 40, I think about 42 people in the last 18 months and onboarded them successfully. I think so we've done the things that we said we were going to do. And I'm very, I'm really proud of the team for being mm. able to do that. Yeah. They're Amazing. an incredible group of people. Yeah. Christine, let's dive into some of that because I know some of the new practices that you opened had a major focus, I would say, on mental health and well-being and, and more oh. of that employee-centric practice feeling. So yep. can you dive into some of the things that you're doing, like you said, the mental health wellness? What are some of the things that you're doing in your new practice that specifically address team health and happiness and create that healing environment, if sure. you will? So one of the things that just happened the other day is honoring PTO. So every team member in the practice gets three weeks PTO, every care team member, and a week of wellness. And I think what you find is a lot of companies give the team members a lot of guilt for taking that PTO. And that they will never happen. Like you ask for PTO as long as um, we have, you know, no one else has asked for it or there's not multiple people, you get it. There's no questions asked. There's no, you can't take it. So there's no guilt in asking for PTO. And the other day I was meeting with a team member and it was the first vacation she'd had with her family ever since she's been in veterinary medicine. Which wow, like five or five that's years. Rough. Yeah. Right. That's rough. And I'm like, I was like dumbstruck. I'm like, what? She's like, I've never been able to take PTO. I've never been able to take a vacation with my family. 
I'm like, why? She goes, because they would never let me. Like the company she worked for would never let her. Makes me and, cry a little bit inside. Yeah. And you, you, oh, I was like, I just was like, I, you didn't even know what to say. And so she told me where she was going. I'm like, oh, you need to send me pictures. We have to celebrate this. So that's huge. The ability for someone to actually take a vacation and not feel guilty about that because we all rallied around that we need to step up to let our team members take vacation. Uh, CE, you know, they've never, they get to go to the critical care IVEX in Denver without a, I mean, I'm just like, just go. This is what you need to do for yourself to educate yourself. And they've never had that type of support. So we don't put guilt behind the benefits that we're giving them. Like people talk about giving benefits, but then there's a guilt associated with actually taking and using those benefits. There's no guilt behind that. Engagement surveys. So we set out to solve a couple problems within our profession and we map ourselves back to those problems. Are we actually solving them? And so we ask the team, we're like, these are the things we said we needed to solve. Are we doing it? And they were great about telling us if we were doing it or we weren't. And luckily we were doing the majority of it. And we just had our all our first all hands meeting and we discussed the things we weren't doing. We were very transparent about the data and said, hey, this is what you guys said we weren't doing. We have yeah. to do better. Here's I like that because I hear yeah. when we do these engagement surveys and then we're not prepared for the outcome or we sweep that right back under the rug or we're like, yeah, see, told you we were doing it all. And then that one mm-hmm. little thing doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And, yeah, if you're not prepared to listen to that feedback, and then more importantly, act on, act it, on right? it, yep, right. talk to the team, be transparent. What changes do we want to see made? And we did it after I was nervous. You know, like everybody's nervous. You do these things, and because we did it after not eight months. I mean, how much can you really do after eight months? You know, <laughs> and we made a lot of mistakes, and we're very transparent we're, about our mistakes. Yeah, yeah I mean, and we're still sp- like drinking through a fire yeah. hose if you're hiring that many people and trying <laughs> yeah. to them all. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. screw up regularly, and we tell people that we're really we're funny about. It. We're like we, we're going to jack this up all the time. Please be patient. Um, and so I was nervous. I'm like, God, yes, what's going to come out? But I was actually really surprised. Like the the feedback was actually quite positive that. They knew our core values, like mm-hmm. 98% of the company knew our core values. They knew our vision, they knew our mission. And the things that they needed to fix, was, we needed to fix was delivery of information. We asked them, like, we have paylocity and we deliver information through different ways. They wanted it in a different way. That, but they felt that they, and they felt that their voice wasn't being heard at some times. And so mm-hmm. how do we better that? So we had the, the team meeting we gave them other ways to do it and we're implementing but simplistic things. I think we overcomplicate things as a profession. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, like we don't do anything grandiose. It's like you want information in an easier way. Here you go. Got right. it. You know, right. you want a different schedule. This is what it looks like. Got it. Like it's very tangible, easy things. So for us, that's how we're doing it is how do we make these very simple mm-hmm. things they, they need they need you to hear them. They need uh-huh. you to hear their pain points. They need you to let them take their PTO time. Uh-huh. They need transparency. We do not have great benefits. We tell people that. We're small. Uh-huh. We are 10 people. Uh-huh. Our insurance kind of sucks. Yeah. And we're very transparent about that. We're like, yeah, we don't have that great of insurance. But we will. Like, if you give us, like, next, you know, in January, I'll have great uh-huh. insurance. Uh-huh. But we don't try to hide it either. We don't have, I mean, we're good because we're just too small. So, but back to your question, Andrew, which is a great question, is it's just the ability for us to listen to them, 
um, be on site to understand their needs, doing truly solving the problems that they're feeling in the practice. What equipment do you need? What, you know, are the hours in our urgent care sufficient? You know, do you guys, we've closed, like the team has been a bit burned out. So we closed a couple, you know, a day to say, hey, take the day, you guys take the day off. Um, we get it, uh, giving them their holiday times, things like that. It sounds like a lot of um, mm -hmm. being open to listen, right? Yes. But being courageous enough to ask. Correct. So mm -hmm. holding team meetings, having engagement surveys or feedback sessions or a suggestion box. You know, there's millions of ways. Millions of ways you can team. do it. Yeah, yeah, we just have to ask. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Christine, you were just talking about kind of the small things that we can do and how we overcomplicate things. Well, not everybody <laughs> can run ultra marathons. <laughs> and be a disruptor in the vet space and the owner of a 24-hour, 24-7 veterinary specialty practice and kind of take over the world, as it were. So speaking to that, how can we make a difference in our practices on what we would maybe judge as a small scale, but still feel that, to quote what's on your LinkedIn page, just feel like we're doing something great? How do we think small, but get big effects from that? It's a great question. And for me, what I tell the team is show up every day with your full self. And if you can't, don't go in. So we as leaders have an impact on the entire practice and our energy shifts the practice, whether it's good or bad. And it's a huge burden, I think, that leaders carry with them that they don't realize and they don't acknowledge. So my energy, this happened today. I was in, in the office today. And the energy, my energy was just off. And you could just feel that energy ripple through the office. And so I, I actually excused myself and went out and did my work back at home. So knowing as a leader to show up with your full self and in a mindset that you can be there for your team, because that's going to sway your team one direction or another. And it's something that's really hard to do. It kind of goes back that leading people is really hard and understanding your own limitations in your own space and your own time. And that if you can't do that, it's okay to remove yourself or stay home or take a half a day or go for a walk outside, but just making sure that you're showing up as your full self, as you'd ask your team to do. And then just actively listen. Like so many of us want to talk before we hear. And I think actively listening to your team is so important. And then repeating back to them what they told you to make sure that you understand it. You know, we take an information how we want to hear it, not a lot of times how it's told to us. Let our new leaders know that when you walk in the clinic within 10 minutes, five minutes, you're going to know exactly what's going on in the practice just by listening or looking at body language. So just taking a step back. I don't like the leaders to go or managers to go into the practice and work on laptops. So like when you're in the practice, you're actively working with your team. You're not, we don't put offices in our clinics. So office work is done at home or we have outside office space that we lease. And then when they're in the practices, they're actively working with their teams, whether it's training, leading, CE. And so they're actively engaged with the team so they can listen to feel and see what's going on within the practices. So we just get sidetracked nowadays. And so being present and actively present and solving their problems so they have the tools to do their job, I think is probably, there are very simple things to do that somehow we've gotten away from with numbers and spreadsheets and reporting and all of the things that actually don't move the teams forward, we're focusing on, I, I feel, especially with consolidation. It's a lot of number crunching or spreadsheet 
pushing as opposed to activating and engaging the team and teaching them to problem solve and to be their own advocates inside the practice. Christina, I appreciate that you share that insight. And I think you've given quite a few gems and little tidbits about things that we can do, you know, make space for ourselves. And I mean, all the things that you just discussed, I would love to hear, and maybe they're personal, I would say, I don't want to say mistakes, but things, maybe lessons that we've learned. I feel like mistakes are always an opportunity to learn to do it differently or do it better, right? Mm So maybe a history of what you learned was a mistake or something that just didn't go well for you. Can you share or that you've seen in other practices or heard about or had conversations with other leaders? Can you share two or three common, I will say, mistakes in veterinary practice and leaderships or Mm -hmm. leadership teams? Sure. Yeah, I, I think a common mistake is that the the there's always this, to, in my view or my vision of seeing this, is that there is this rift between leadership and the floor, the care teams and the leaders. And the perception is that from the care teams that the manager is sitting in their office not doing anything. And sometimes that's right. Sometimes it's usually wrong. And so there's this lack of transparency of people's roles and expectations within the practice. And so we this because our leadership team is offsite, they're in a state. And so I think it's a lack of transparency. People are fearful to tell people what they're actually doing and explain to them truly what's going on. And there is a, there is a really good quote I found the other day that transparency doesn't mean sharing every detail. Transparency means providing the context for the decisions we make. So we make these decisions or we do these things and we don't actually explain to people the why behind it. And what I find is when we tell them the why, it settles them down. It's not just, hey, you have to do this. It's we do this because or I'd like you to do this for these reasons and we get then we get their buy-in. So I, I think the biggest problem I see is just a transparency of information, a transparency in general we hide stuff, you know, as a, we're collectors of information and we're fearful to share that information. And then we're fearful to have conversation. So in the practice the other day, we had a situation, I've been spending more time in Richmond and the team was having this inappropriate conversation in the front of the clinic about a doctor and they shouldn't have been having it. And everybody was up in arms. And so I immediately, there's, a person that was involved. And so I went and got that person and we just sat down and have a conversation about it. And it wasn't a bad conversation, it was just a conversation. And in the end, this particular person said, I'm really appreciative that you talked to me. Like no one's talked to me about stuff like this before. And you made me understand why it wasn't okay. Because I explained the other side of it and you know how the doctor probably felt and the other team felt. I explained the situation behind it. She's like, it will never happen again. I'm like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And demystifying having a conversation. Everybody thinks when we get into a room, we're going to get fired or we're going to get written up. We're going to, like, we can't just talk. Like, we have to get back to just being able to talk like we're talking. Like, hey, that wasn't quite appropriate. Like, can we talk about what just happened? So, through transparency and active listening, we can then set boundaries and expectations with the team. Clear boundaries. Yes, you have to show up on time, and this is why. And if you don't show up on time, you're probably going to lose your job. And if you don't do these things, this is what's going to happen and being clear about that. And I think 
leaders are fearful of the outcome. But when you don't do that, the outcome is usually bad. People quit. People get angry. They yell at each other. They're mad. All the bad things happen because we didn't set expectations. So again, it's back to very simple things that people don't do because of fear or they don't know how. No one's taught them how to do it. Those kinds of things. I mean, you know, I I think about employment as a kind of relationship, right? We joke about Mm -hmm. it. And I don't mean romantic, but it it is a relationship. And so all the stuff that you, I think, mentioned is kind of geared towards or kind of speaks to that. So I'm curious, Christina, are there other tools or techniques or strategies that you use when you when you think, so for example, with this, this employee, um, you built a relationship with her, she now trusts you and feels that mm-hmm. you'll give her direct feedback, and there might be a consequence or, you know, whatnot. So yeah, there are just other things in the same vein of like how you build these relationships with employees and strengthen them beyond totally agree, like just talk, talk with them. And you know, doesn't always have to be formal with a piece of paper and all that. But what else do you think we can do? Or we're not doing well in the in the veterinary currently that pulls away from building the relationships with our team members. Like I don't, I'm not a fan of reviews. I think reviews are like the worst thing on the that has ever existed. Like it's a very contra to what most people think. I think reviews are bad because they're look backwards, right? And so we love to talk about in the veterinary profession, we love reviews. Like let's sit down and do a review from a year ago. And so I think that we do something every 30 days. It's the, the conversation has to be constant to build or you know, I think David, your point's perfect. You have to build trust. And we've lost trust as a profession. And so building trust is having conversation and doing what you say you're going to do, when you're going to do it, follow up, follow through, all these very simple things that we should be doing that we get pulled away from by a million different things, reports and pressures from other leaders and pressures from management, all these things we get pulled away from that takes us away from the team member who's actually driving the business. We tend to forget that the person that answers the phone is the person that actually drives our revenue. If that person isn't happy and they're cheerful and they're accepting and they want to accept that case, business doesn't walk through the door. Clients don't get helped. Patients don't get help. So the most important person we should be making sure it's happy and comfortable is the person picking up our phone. But we forget that sometimes or leadership sometimes forgets that. Again, it's simplistic things of communication, regular communication and back to the reviews. why look at the past when we can look at a daily thing? And so having conversations, we do 30, 60, 90 day touch points and we sit down. It's a quick 30 minute thing. How are you doing? What's going on? We have four questions we ask them. What's going on? What are your goals? How are we moving you forward as opposed to looking backwards? No one likes reviews. No one likes that to be done. And so we don't do them. That's just not something that we do. So communication, it's just a constant communication with people and talking to them builds that bridge and trust. And they then will do and want to be with you and stay with you. And you can, you know, have 900 people apply for jobs. I love it, Christine. (laughs) And I'm going to have to say it, but what you've given us so many gems. Like I feel like I'm frantically (laughs) writing and and pun intended there, right? You've given us so many gems (laughs) and some takeaway points. Christine, can you share one piece of advice with our listeners today? Oh my goodness. That's, oh, it's, um, I know one after piece all that you've shared, I'm going to ask yeah. you for more. No, I, you know, going back to Dr. Marie, 
setting clear boundaries and expectations with your team and yourself. So I think that I just loved her podcast. I I really did. And I will, again, anybody who hasn't listened to it needs to listen to it. We are our own worst enemy, right? We are so bad at putting ourselves first and setting that boundary. We as leaders have to stay healthy. And I run to stay healthy. And I put it out there to show my teams that it is okay for you to put yourself first and to stay healthy. Because if you stay healthy, my business will stay healthy. You'll take care of the patients that are walking through the door. You'll give good care. It's a waterfall effect. And so stay, be present. When I said earlier, like come to the job with your full self. And however you do that, whether it's you meditate, whether it's you, you, I run, whether it's you walk, whether it's you go to your dog, whether it's you watch, you binge Netflix for three hours, it doesn't matter what it is, but we first have to take care of ourselves and set clear boundaries and expectations and articulate them to our teams. So we have, we set boundaries on communication. You don't text after certain timeframes. You don't email after certain timeframes. You don't do things to invade on people's space and times outside of business hours because they, you have to take care of ourselves. And we make that okay. Like we do a what's called a foundational onboarding. And it's how do you communicate? What are the words that we use? What are communication timeframes we use them in? We don't, I don't text with the team. Like if you need to talk to me, pick up the phone and call me. Like if you're going to call out, we don't do text call outs. You got to call me, call me, call and talk to me. What's going on? Let's talk about it. Because it's much harder to call out when you have to talk to your boss than text it out, right? It's much harder. So call, like let's call and have a conversation. Let's build the trust between each other. So just really clear boundaries and expectations. People do want that. But as leaders, we're so fearful to state it. And I'm not that way. And so I always ask people why, get to their why. Why don't you want to do that? What is the fear behind you not wanting to do that? What's the worst case scenario? Let's get to that so we can get over it. I think that's the best piece of advice I can give is just be, take care of yourself first. Come to your position in your role with your full self, with a full mind, and then set clear boundaries and expectations for your teams. So then they can learn to set clear expectations. They can then learn to bring their full self to their job. And when they do that, our businesses thrive. They do inherently, like it will thrive. Like this is not rocket science. And we used to do things more than less than like this. Business comes, you know, when we answer the phone in a professional manner, when a client is hysterical and we just help. We don't say we're full and, and we're busy and we can't take your call. Like when we actually listen, when we listen to our teams, they listen to our client. When we shut our teams down, they shut our clients down. It, it yeah. literally, yeah. it's the old yeah. school stuff. It starts at the top, right? Like it goes down. Like if I don't care about my team member and how they act, why would they care about how they're going to act to a client? It's back to that very basic 101 leadership that. It's just not complicated. So I think for me, that that's what it is. Those are, you know. Yeah. And I think that for me, the key takeaway from what you're saying is just a lead by example, right? If we want our teams to take yeah. care of themselves and show up and be their best, then we have to do the same thing. And I think that sometimes as leaders, 
oftentimes as leaders, we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't feel guilty about yeah, it. Like I, right. it's why I post about it all the time. Like I run, it's what I do. Like if I don't run and my team knows there's going to be a bad day, <laughs> it's, it's the only thing I can do to keep my brain yeah, in, right, in check. Right. right. So yeah. like, did you not run today? I'm like, no, I didn't run. And like, you need to go run. <laughs> and yeah. so what is that for everybody? It doesn't matter what it is. Like that just happens to be my thing, but normalize it, normalize these things as leaders because it is okay. Like an hour of running is nothing's going to implode in an hour or two hours yeah, or whatever yeah. it is. It's not going to implode. Like what really is a what what's really, really going to happen, guys? I mean, yeah, yeah. Right. We're yeah. building two buildings, hiring all these people, doing all these things, and we can still. I mean, it's not easy by any means. It's really, really tough. But we're still okay. Like I'm doing the things I want to do, and my partner's doing the things she wants to do. We're still doing all those things. And surviving. So it, c- it can be done. Yeah, um, possible, right? Yeah. So I want to switch gears here and go into yeah. our real life. You can't make this shit up story. And I'm sure you have some amazing ones being in urgent care. We have all had that encounter, yeah. right? Either with a client or an employee. I mean, mine yeah. are usually employees, but you know, employees, practice owners, who knows, whatever, whoever the case may be. But just the time where you were just like, no freaking way, I cannot make this up. Like, this is just the craziest thing that's happened. Oh my gosh, jaw dropping. Right when you think that you've seen it all, in comes that you can't make this shit up story. Change the names to protect the innocent and share your story. <laughs> you know, I this was hard for me the last time. It was even harder this time. I'll be honest, it's my current life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. They, honestly, that is like my current life is this. I can't make this crap up. Like this is what I'm going through right now is the toughest, hardest thing of my career. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. My epic failure? I probably just want to do more. Like, I feel like I haven't done enough. There's more I want to do and more I want to give back to. Tell me about your proudest moment. The ability to give that employee vacation time to spend the first time with her family. Why veterinary medicine? What do you love about our profession? The people. They're just incredibly amazing. I just love the people. Self-care. How do you practice it? How do you decompress? Run. Run up mountains, down mountains. I run constantly. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? I carve out time to travel. And no, I don't. If I don't take care of myself, as we talked earlier, I can't take care of my team. So I I carve out the time, I make the time, and I usually travel or run and be in the woods. What keeps you up at night, things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your business? Money. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? 
the team and making an impact on them and the ability to provide an environment that they deserve and uh, an environment that they can thrive in. What color best describes you and why? Yellow. Um, It expresses individuality and it represents happiness and a love of learning. And if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? A duck. Amazing. Oh, Christine, it was so great to have you <laughs> thank back. Thank you. This was thank fun. You thank so you so much. much. For coming on. Yes. Always great. Yeah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for yeah. taking the time and, and letting me come back. No Christine, problem. can you share your contact information, social media handles? Where can we reach you if we have more questions? Uh, C Stafford at partnervesc.com. I mean, if they want Instagram, is at Adventure Stafford. And then they also find me on LinkedIn at Christine Stafford. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you. Yay. Thanks so much for coming by. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your You Can't Make This Shit Up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast. And be sure to rate us. Check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.